Welcome to the Matrix Care Podcast from the software leaders for out-of-hospital and long-term care providers. Matrix Care is dedicated to sharing knowledge and building awareness among providers across the spectrum from home care to skilled nursing to senior living and life plan communities. Our topics focus on industry-specific trends or specific technology that is shaping our industry. We hope to educate and entertain along the way. We're excited to begin today's show. Glad you're here for the ride. My name is Dr. Vore, Director of Enterprise Interoperability at Matrix Care and host for today's episode. Today we're going to listen in on a conversation between Naveen Gupta, Vice President, Home Care Solutions for Matrix Care, and his special guest, Ali Mansarwala, who set out to become a cardiologist, but instead went on to become the owner of a home care agency, Miami Accessible. Gupta is going to open a dialogue with Mansarwala that traces the journey of someone on the path to becoming a cardiologist, but then went into the home care senior space. We're going to learn how the intersection of medicine, culture, and core values influence and shape unique solutions to home care's number one problem. Get ready for a few tugs at your heartstrings as Munsterwall shares his personal story and how that has affected his vision for doing the right thing for seniors and those that care for them. Take it away, Naveen. Well, thank you, Doc, for those introductions. Uh, certainly appreciate it. Appreciate all that you do for Matrix Care, and not just in your interoperability job, but also hosting uh, the podcast for us. So, um, so Ali, um, just super excited to have you on the podcast, and uh, you know I thoroughly enjoyed uh, my meeting with you at the Accessible Banquet, and uh, really inspired by our story. So I thought you know we we should allow a wider audience uh, to hear from you. So, you know, Ali, what I gathered was um, you started your sort of your career down the path of you know med school, and you know coming out of that and going on this path to cardiology, uh, how did you end up opening up a home care agency? Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you, Navin. Thank you, Doc, for your time this morning. It's my first podcast ever, so I'm, I'm kind of excited and nervous, so thank you for that. Um, as far as a medical career goes, it was something that, you know, your family asks you to become a doctor. Everybody's family member wants – every family wants someone in their family to be a doctor. So I went down the career, did everything – got my proper certifications, the degree, did the training. And then I realized that from seeing all the senior doctors around me that are working, that everyone has the same thing. They're working 70, 80 hours a week, and they're doing great, amazing things. But the, the family time and the quality you spend with their loved ones was just not there. And the business of medicine has, over the last 7 to 10 years, has turned into a business of quantity over quality, mm-hmm. and so I just felt that you're not giving your clients or patients a service where you're only meeting them for 30, 45 seconds because you have so many other patients to see. So I just felt that at this moment, the medical field was not something I wanted to pursue, and my, my mom is from India, and I'm from India, and she flew in and suggested looking into home health care, and you know that saying, ignorance is bliss? So yeah. Not knowing anything about the home health care field, it was sold to us in a very simple manner. Like, you go, you open up an office, the senior population will call you, you send them a caregiver, and then you kind of sit back and wait for them to pay you. It was in a very simple manner. So we thought it was a simple, good enough idea, and I would get to practice my medical knowledge with these senior clients because in the, in the world of cardiology, 
everyone who's over 65, they need a cardiac clearance or a cardiologist for every decision they make. Sure. So having that medical knowledge and experience with the senior population and always wanting to do business, I felt this would be a great combination of applying the two. And I could see the patients for an hour, two hours, talk to them, hear their life story, really understand them, and that would give me the opportunity to provide them the best level of care that they deserve and need. Sure. You know, Ali, it's, it's great. It's funny as you, as you describe it that uh, it didn't start out with, you know, this whole deep passion that I'm going to care for the elderly, so to speak. But I know that shifted along the way where, you know, it means a lot for you. It's just not a business because you needed a transition career. It was because you, you started really caring about the senior population and you could see your, your background in, in medicine really being able to provide that level of care for them. 100%. It's, it's, again, having an Indian background, my mom always tells me, the blessing that you get from a senior is the best, it's the blessing of a lifetime. Yes. And, and therefore, I just felt like our system is not set up for the senior population to succeed. It's set up for them to fail to a certain extent. And so my job wasn't to be a salesman or to sell them. It was really to educate the clients, educate their family, which in return helped them make the best decision. So now our goal is not to really try to sell them services. It's more to let them know this is who we are, this is how we'll guide you, this is the way we should be guided, and these are the decisions that I would tell you to make if you were my own loved one. And, and being more of an advocate for them as opposed to just telling them what to do. Yeah, that's great, Ali. So tell me, um, you know, so obviously you're running your business. You've been running it for quite some time. I'm sure there are numerous challenges that you face. Uh, we do know in, in home care in particular, labor challenges are often tagged as number one. Uh, share with me a little bit about, you know, some of the common challenges you face and about labor in particular. I mean, we would need a whole new podcast to discuss that that specific sure. issue in its own. But the challenges of labor are, you know, I understand the labor pool. I understand they're living paycheck to paycheck. So sometimes they'll do whatever they have to to take on a job without taking into consideration their other prior responsibilities. And, and so our biggest challenge is just communication is the biggest key. If caregivers just talk to us and let us understand that they have a doctor's appointment or they're not feeling well or they have an issue, that would basically prepare us better to accommodate a situation for our clients. Um, and I could give you hundreds of examples, but like I'll give you an example. We sent a client, a caregiver, for an interview. She went for the interview, loved the interview, took the case, calls us an hour later and says, I can't take the case anymore because I have doctor's appointments for my children. So it's just the constant irregularities of, of caregivers not communicating with us. And, and because sometimes they have the fear that we, they may get fired, they have the fear that we may not give them another assignment, but in reality, they're not realizing that they just openly communicate with us and talk to us and, and, and realize that we're on their side. Because at the end of the day, I don't sell Pepsi. I don't sell Coca-Cola. I don't sell Nike. I sell a service. So just as much as my client is important to me, my caregiver is just as important. Because I could have a 1,000 clients and not have any caregivers, or I could have a 1,000 caregivers and not have any clients. So to me, a caregiver is 50% equivalent to having a successful company 
because without their service, without their time, and without their commitment, and without their knowledge and their compassion, I really don't have a company to run or manage. Right. You know, so I think when we talk about labor challenges, you know, in particular, we're talking about just, you know, a staffing shortage. We're talking about um, just, um, you know, the, the, the turnover that we have with, with staffing. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think a value input in terms of just, you know, having healthy communication of caregivers, but they feel there's a trust cultural, you know, as well, culture in an organization where they feel that they can express their needs and where they're available, where they're not available. Um, you know, but you, you began to share with me a little bit about, um, you know, some of the practices that you have in your organizational culture where you put the caregivers first. But before I, before I let you answer that, I, I wanted to share a little bit more on the, on the statistics, right, where this is going to be a huge problem. So, in 2026, you know, 65 million seniors, right, 87% uh, of them will be requiring services at home. They, they prefer to age at home. In the same time frame, Ali, we'll have about 7.8 million unfilled caregiver jobs, right? That's statistics that, that's available, right? The next, uh, the next point is we have wage pressures, right? So 2019 alone, 18 states have started the year with higher minimum wages, right? And then we often talk about Amazon and Walmart. You know, they're raising the rates, so obviously there's competition for, for labor pool in there. And then the other half of it is, you know, A, is finding the right people. The second half of it is hiring and training could cost almost about two to $3,000. And re replacing a worker that you lose costs about three dollars to $4,000. So the economics of this is huge. So I know you've shared with me that your attrition is very low. And uh, I'm just curious to hear what, what principles, what practices, what have you been doing uh, you know, to allow you to have just a healthy uh, caregiver relationship and also uh, that they prefer to, to stay employed in, in your organization? Um, it, it's, it's what I mentioned. We live in, like I said, every the, the demographics and geographics I agree with you a thousand percent on, but being in South Florida, we're kind of blessed because South Florida is a cultural melting pot. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of people come here from all walks of life, and therefore the good thing for us is we don't have a shortage of finding caregivers. Like if I put an ad up tomorrow, there'll be 30, 40 people here ready with resumes. So that's something I don't have a shortage of finding quantity. The quality is always a challenge. But, for example, like I've, um, I've, had, I've had conversations with caregivers in the past, and many of them have mentioned to me things like, We've never met the owner of an agency before. Mm -hmm. Yet alone sit in his office and talk to him about what bothers us, what concerns us, and our point of view. Um, or the point that if I'm not available, they have access to my vice president, or they have access to my COO, and, and, and if they want to talk to me afterwards, they're, they're always allowed to, and they always have that luxury and ability to do that. Um, also things like at any given moment, I have twenty to $30,000 lent out to my caregivers just to help them out. Caregivers are short on their rent because payroll fell on the 7th instead of the 1st, mm -hmm. or um, they don't have enough money to pay a cell phone bill, or they had a last-minute emergency, they're getting evicted, and they needed money to get a new deposit for a new apartment, or their, their family member had an emergency. So I go out of my way to help take care of them because 
it's just the right thing to do. They're your product. They're your people. Without them, you don't have anything to stand on. And, and so I go, we go out of our way to help them at any given moment. We keep an open-door policy that – and I have a simple rule in, in my agency, which goes for my office staff and my, my field staff, is your health and your family come first. And I will never ask any caregiver to choose my job over their health or their family member. Mm-hmm. And your job will always be there as long as you've done right by the agency and done right by us. We will have your back. Uh, 1,000% till the end. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's, 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 it's inspiring. I know, uh, you know, we've had uh, another CEO uh, on this podcast who's, who's also very inspiring that he has intentionally reduced his profit margins, um, you know, so as to ensure that he's putting his people first, right? And it's, it's you know, it would be counterintuitive from, a, from an economic, from a business perspective, you know, sacrificing margins, but, you know, making sure, you know, overtime is, is covered, you know, where there's training to be had, that that's covered, you know, supplies are, are covered, um, 401k benefits. I mean, there are many other benefits that organizations could provide because at the heart of being able to care for seniors are caregivers. They, they are not just one amongst many variables in the equation. They are the key to essentially ensure that we can care for our aging population. And uh, sounds like, Ali, you know, you've been, you've been doing – uh, a number of things here, and as you said, uh, you know, not having them compromise either the health or the family uh, is, is very, very admirable. I, I want to really also, Ali, talk to you a little bit about, uh, and I did get to see your 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 little daughter uh, uh, at the at the banquet, and I was just very touched by by your story, uh, and I know she's special needs. Tell us how that experience has just shaped how you run your business and how you. How you work with caregivers, and is there is there some some aspects that that have really impacted you and influenced you? Um, you know what it was. I was I'm 38 now, so when I opened the agency when I was 30 years old, I I was more about I'm the boss, I'm the one, the decision maker. Now it's a little different, and I always wanted to leave a legacy behind. Of you know, this is the company, this is the name, the side of the building, blah blah blah. And then my daughter was born three years ago at the age of 35. She was, when I was 35, she was born. And she, she has a syndrome called Chart Syndrome, which affects her hearing and affects her, um, her, her, her hearing and her vision. And for a long time after that, I was very upset with the world. I was upset at everything and, every, and anything because I just felt it was unfair. And, and along the way, you meet people, you talk to people, and people share their wisdom, share their experience with you. And, and you know, a couple of things people have told me that have stuck to me, you know, one was God gives you as much as you can handle. That was the first thing someone said to me. And then I had recently met a nurse because I became a, a big donor at Nicholas Children's Hospital here in Miami because they've done amazing things for the children and for me and my family and my daughter. So we had gone to a, uh, a, a, a thank you dinner of some sort, and I met a nurse there uh, who's been with the hospital for over 30 years, and she has a special needs daughter who's 20-plus years old. And the nurse said something to me, and this was about a year ago, and it was at that point where I kind of started to heal and I started to feel much better and started was more accepting. She said to me that her words were, her daughter makes her a better person. And I don't think she realizes what those words impacted, impact, had an impact to me, but it just made me realize, yes, she's absolutely right. 
It's made me more compassionate. It's made me more humble. It's made me more grateful. And, 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 it, and it just, you know, and, and for that, I feel that I'm blessed to be in the position I am in. And, and all that was given to me because of what we've accomplished is acceptable. And because of that, we just, I just try to do more and give back more to the community, give back more for the sake of my daughter. And, and I realized that because of this financial rainfall that the pie is so big that I don't need to have the whole pie mm-hmm. and that everyone deserves a piece of it. So that's why I'm more than happy to give to my office, give to my team, give to my caregivers, because without them, I wouldn't be able to do what I do for my daughter, and, and that's my only priority in life at this moment. That, that, that is great, Ali. So, um, you know, um, you won, a, you won a, a, an award at the, uh, at the franchise uh, banquet. Tell us a little bit more about that. And, you know, clearly uh, what, what is evident to me, uh, you know, as, as, as a first-timer there was you're very well regarded uh, amongst the network, the accessible network. And, uh, you know, so tell us, A, what was the award, and B, uh, what are some of the things that have just contributed to your success? Um, well, so with the way Accessible does it, they give out a uh, uh, franchisee of the quarter. So they give out four awards a year. And in order to be, uh, to be considered a franchisee of the year, you would have to be awarded a franchisee of the quarter. So from those top four franchisees, they pick one. So the funny thing was, this is a funny story that I'll share with you, that normally if you've been notified that you're a franchisee of the year, they call you a week before Arif will call you or Mirella will call you, the president, vice president of the franchise, to let you know you've won and plan on saying a few things. So this year I never got that phone call, So I just, but I had run one franchisee of the quarter. But since I never got the phone call for the five-minute speech, I just randomly called corporate because I had some work with them. I said, hey, who won the franchisee of the year this year, you know, because I'm just curious and this and that. So they told me, oh, they haven't decided yet, blah, 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 and they didn't know. That's what I was told by one of the, the executives of the company. And next thing I know, I'm sitting at the banquet talking to my mom and my wife and just, just, just in my own world, and they were making the award presentation for Franchisee of the Year, and they called out my name, which kind of took me off guard. And I realized that, you know what, I, everyone tells me a good team needs a great leader, but a great leader is nothing without his team. Right. So to me, I wanted to make sure that in today's day and age, my team gets the, gets the award and gets the appreciation because without them, you can't grow. Without them, you can't be sustainable and you can't do what you do. So my key to success is rather than now working in the business, I have gone to work on the business. And that is attributed to the fact that I have finally been able to build a team that runs the day-to-day operations so I can go out there and get the bigger contract, open up the different avenues of, of income from um, offering services to plastic surgery patients, to taking on more guardianship cases, to taking on more workman's comp cases, as opposed to rather just being a one-to-one um, cons- direct-to-consumer company. That's great, Ali. Hey, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for, for your time and just, you know, what you've done with your company and how, how important this segment is, you know, to be able to really provide care. And, um, you know, thank you for being a, a Matrix Care client. I know uh, 
uh, a number of the, the franchise, you know, uh, you know, and with an accessible use our solution and software. And uh, we're, uh, as a company, very grateful for, for folks like yourself and, and for your organization. So thank you very much, Ali. Uh, I'm going to hand it over back to Doc. Doc, back to you. Thank you, Naveen and Ali. A great discussion. Thank you. And that concludes today's episode of the MatrixCare Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to visit us at www.matrixcare.com for more information on our products and services. And we'd love to hear from you. Please give us feedback on iTunes or to let us know everything from how to improve the podcast to future topics you'd like to see discussed. On behalf of Matrix Care and today's guest, thanks for listening. We hope to have you back for another episode of the Matrix Care Podcast.